you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grosso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, it was a crypto crush this week as Bitcoin got whacked, but Ethereum is surging. Why is this cryptocurrency so hot? The crypto baller himself, Brian Kelly, will break it all down. Plus, the future is here. GM launching its self driving car in one year. No steering wheel, no pedals. Will it send the stock into overdrive? We'll explain. And later, it's the Facebook fallout. The stock down 5%, having its worst day since November 2016. But the chartmaster says this could be your best chance to buy the stock. He'll explain what has him so excited. But first, we start off with the markets, of course, at all-time highs. The S&P having its best start to the year in more than a decade. The Dow up 200 points, hitting a fresh record high and barreling toward 26,000 as the tax euphoria takes America by storm. And what's driving the markets? Glad you asked. It's what we're calling the untouchables. These two stocks have had an amazing start to the year. Amazon and Boeing between the two mega caps. They've only had one down day in 2018 and this following huge runs for both last names. Both these names last year starting the year at all time highs. So how much further do these stocks have to run and what if anything can bring them down, Guy. Well, I'll tell you what can bring them down. Steve's been all over Amazon. I'll let him talk about Amazon. But Boeing has been a monster. And we've talked about Boeing now seemingly for the last few years. And what do they have going for them? Well, commercial aviation, they're just crushing it. Look at the backlog of planes they have. I think they're up to 6,000. I mean, people are ordering planes from Boeing. That's just hard and fast. But it's, a lot of it is in the stock. What else do they have going for them? The defense component of their stock as well. You lump them in with Lockheed Martin. Problem is, in my opinion, now you're starting to get a little bit ahead of yourself. Boeing is trading close to 30 times forward earnings, which is expensive in, in history terms, in terms of what they've been over the last decade or so. They grow at about 15, 16 percent, which is great. This is what I think happens. I think Boeing continues to rally into earnings January 31st. But unless they pull out a miracle number, which they're capable of, I think they'll disappoint. So you take profits ahead of earnings, in my opinion. Or unless they guide higher. Because then that earnings oh, look, number Melly goes in, right? And the PE sort of stays stable. Here's the deal on Boeing. Um, you know, if you think about the five-year kind of average on the company, they trade around 16, about 17 times. So they're, they're very expensive with their five-year average. They're not expensive with their 12-month. Um, when you look at what happened two days ago, I think it was on the 9th, they talked about fourth-quarter deliveries. I mean, they, they out, again, the, the numbers that these guys put out continue to keep some of the best on the street. Hunter K., who's had a great call on the stock, I think is one of the best in the space. Yeah, I think he said he's stupefied at this point with, with the valuation, which doesn't mean necessarily that you run for cover. Um, it means that this so much good news is priced in here. So to me, I, I think it always comes back to valuation. Uh, a 13% move in five days, that, that's enough for me. 13% in five days. Yeah, I mean, that's a year sometimes, right? That's a really good year if you're up 13%. So for me, I'm a seller into this strength or at least a put buyer here. And we asked at the top of the show, you know, what brings these things down? More often than not, it's something you don't know. You never get hit by the bus you can see or that you can't see, right? I mean, or the bus that you can see. That's the you know, sounds you like you got hit by a bus. There's somebody got hit by a bus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my, point is, my point is, my point is, 
take some profits here. Look at the thing is straight up, whether it's Boeing, whether it's Amazon, or whether it's Bitcoin. When markets go into a parabolic move, you want to be taking profits. The thing is that there are a lot of stocks out there for this year that have started uh, similar to the way Boeing and Amazon have started this yeah. year. They have just skyrocketed. It's, it's they just gone straight out of the gate here. Right, but if you look at, I'm looking at JCPenney up 81%, basically from the November lows. So if you look at Amazon, I think you have a, 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 a runway where it can go higher. I think the chart is a lot smoother than a Boeing. I would sell Boeing. I was long Boeing forever, since the 90s, and I sold it, and I got, I got uh, smacked up on that price. I sold it basically 150 points ago. So this thing has defied laws of probability. If you look at retail, though, I think that you have a chance where Amazon is not outperforming. I think department stores are going to outperform. So if you're in Amazon, it's going to be slow and steady. I think it can move higher. It won't outperform. I think the department stores in the first quarter will outperform. So that's, yeah, it's the premise is that the department stores, that this is not just, or what we have seen so far is not just a short covering rally, that there's enough to sustain it for a little longer. Let's talk about the department stores. Now, we had talked about J.W. Nordstrom's ahead of their earnings release. Now it's probably about a month, month and a half ago. The stock, I think, was trading with around 36 bucks. And we talked about the risk reward for Nordstrom set up incredibly well to the long side. Now, all of a sudden, in the after hours, we're seeing, at least I just saw this, that Nordstrom's thinking about going private again. What does that mean? Well, last time this happened, the stock had a run up, and you know what? It had an unceremonious move to the downside. We've been bullish Nordstrom's, but to me, this news gives you an exit strategy that you've been looking for. I would be looking to take profits in Nordstrom's next week. When I was talking about stocks that just sort of skyrocketed right out of the gate in 2018, I was thinking of Target, really. I mean, Target mm -hmm. had a Tar massive week let right. alone start to the year. Yeah, absolutely. But again, those are type of things where there's better entry points. So let's take a look at a target and the trajectory that had. And then you look at something like Macy's, right? So Macy's, and this, this is one of those beaten down stocks, but at least I have that range that it's been trading in for the last month that now I know where my stop out point is. And then I've got a fundamental tailwind where I'm saying, okay, tax cuts, people have more money in their pocket. Last night I talked about what do you buy? You buy an Apple. Well, what else do you buy? You buy something like a Macy's. You want to buy target, knock yourself out. Just be careful because you've had that big run. Here's what's important to know about the retail sector, in my view. First of all, the perceptions were so awful going into this holiday season, and most people say, oh, it's seasonal, and they get actually crushed. In fact, no. Four out of the last five years, the XRT or the retail stocks um, did get crushed into the best part of their year because, in fact, we knew that they were in secular decline. This year, in fact, they've outperformed the S&P by 1,450 basis points since early November. So, in other words, we've, we've, this is usually around this time last year when these guys were giving us our holiday sales is when these things were beginning to stretch to new lows. It's a very different game. I, I, what's interesting about the Amazon move is, mm -hmm. which is about 32% since, since October, after doing almost nothing, really, yeah. for six months. So Amazon, this is somewhat catch-up. But if you think about what all these other guys are doing, um, Amazon was priced to be the one that was going to take all of these companies out of business. And in fact, what they showed during their holiday season is not only are these guys running their businesses better, but they have an e-commerce presence. And I think that's very interesting. I will say, whether it's JCPenney, whether it's Macy's, whether it's Target especially, Target, Costco, you know, you name it, Walmart, there is way too much floor space still in the retail business. And, and I think a lot of this, people are missing that the margins, especially in consumer staples, are going lower and lower. And I don't think these guys deserve a better multiple. All right. Uh, we got a news alert actually on Apple. Let's get straight to Josh Lipton in San Francisco for the details. Josh.
Uh, apparently, uh, the audio, we have to work that out. But I believe that this is the headline um, that Republicans are seeking some more information from Apple about uh, the issue of throttling the system. So basically throttling down the speed of the system in order to make the battery life longer. We talked about this before. Uh, now, congressional leaders are getting in on the action. Um, so is this going to be a concern, especially as Apple crosses that $900 billion market cap level for the first time ever today? I think you put this on you put this on a side burner for right now because Apple looks like it wants to break out. And again, it goes back to that. It's almost I think this is one of the big consumer plays here. So you get a breakout on Apple and then you need to remember that this is coming down the pike. I don't think this is over, actually, but it's going to play out over a six month period. So you've got a little time here. Seems like Congress, Apple. though, is a little behind it because we're already on that Jana uh, story where there's too much social FaceTime, FaceTime or active time on the on the iPhone. Uh, iPhone addiction. I think that the stock looks like it wants to break out from these levels. And I think that would shock the most amount of people at the same time. And that's usually what Apple does. But I think that we don't really know what the impact of the story is yet. We don't know if people are actually holding back, if they're going to upgrade the battery on the 6 and forego an upgrade to a 7 or an 8 because this is an option now. I mean, we haven't seen that played out. And even if marginally some of the upgrade is taken out of that cycle that could be an impact and i I think this whole refresh cycle was is extended and because of some of some of the component issues we had with the with the x with the 10 what are we calling it BK, the what, 10. Yeah. It's called the 10. All right. All right. All right. But I'm no. just telling you what Apple is calling it. I mean, I mean, I mean they I mean, named it. All right. It. So the 10. <laughs> so look, uh, I, I think the 10, both uh, fiscal, essentially fiscal Q1, fiscal, sorry, fiscal Q2, which is the quarter we're in, uh, fiscal Q3, those are quarters where I actually think that Apple is going to see a, a, a fantastic move based upon expectations. So I think we stretched it out. I am not worried. Quick on Apple, Guy. Nothing derails the Apple story. I mean, really? the, well, what, what did I call Apple? The good-looking guy in college. Everybody, when he does something that's stupid, everybody thinks it's cute, as they opposed to somebody him. like me when I do something stupid. Call you it's stupid. stupid. Yeah. I'm not Apple. Tim is Apple. I'm not Apple. I'm like Blackberry. Tim is Jack Blackberry. <laughs> what are you doing with that metaphor twice now? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't well, good. Well, it worked the first time. Anyway, I mean, coming up. Thank you. <laughs> Earnings kicking into full gear. IBM, City, Morgan Stanley, all in deck to report. We'll tell you the one stock traders are betting could surge. Plus, it really is the age of Ethereum. The cryptocurrency is surging as Bitcoin sinks. What is behind this divergence? Brian Kelly will break it all down for you. And later, General Motors revving up into the future with the first peek at its driverless car. And it could be bad news for another stock. We will explain much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Ethereum soaring above the rest of the crypto carnage this week as its biggest rivals get crushed. Let's get to Seema Modi back at headquarters for the details. Hi, Seema. Hey, Melissa. Bitcoin has had a tough start to the year. Just this week, it's lost about 19 percent. The sell-off started with reports that China is looking to ban all Bitcoin mining and then accelerated when South Korea announced it's drafting a bill to ban all cryptocurrency trading. That's when Bitcoin broke below $14,000. Add to that a warning from U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, who says the U.S. is working with other countries to prevent cryptocurrencies from being used like Swiss numbered bank accounts. His concern is making sure bad people cannot use these currencies to do bad things. Ripple, another cryptocurrency which has been on the tear recently, closed this week down by 27 percent. And while the prospect of more regulation initially hurt Ethereum, it rebounded, closing the week higher by 24 percent. In fact, it's one of the only major cryptocurrencies to end the week in the green. Melissa? All right. Thank you so much, Seema Modi. So why is Ethereum so hot? 
Well, crypto baller Brian Kelly is at the plasma to break it all down. Take it away, BK. Yeah, sure. So, you know, why is any why does any asset class get going? It's you know, there's a lot of different moving parts to that. Ethereum has a lot of development on it. But I wanted to point out one thing that I noticed since the first of the year, and Ethereum really has been a big performer. So what do we have here? Why since the first of the year? Do I think there's been a driver? We have a software upgrade. Those of you who know what's going on, it's, it's the Casper testnet came out on, num, on uh, January 1st. What does that mean? It's an upgrade to the Ethereum software in a sense. What does it do? It's the first step toward moving away from energy-intensive mining. We've all read the articles about, you know, Bitcoin mining takes so much energy as a small country. There's potential for the mining ban in China. Well, with the Casper upgrade, there, Ethereum is going to be able to move or start to move in the direction of what's called proof of stake. I don't need all those big energy-intensive miners if I use proof of stake. So, number three, we talked about the potential mining ban. As Ethereum moves towards this, the value of not having to rely on miners becomes more valuable to those. So I think that's one reason, at least a tailwind here for Ethereum. So let's go take a look at the chart. Okay, this is from Jan 1. Look at that. You had that little uptick there, and that to me was that little thing that changed that made this entire run go higher. Hey, Brian. Um, yes. Question for you. First of all, there's been some concern that there's been a lot of congestion on the Ethereum network, that transactions are getting bogged down, that the prices are going up, and that they need to push through this plasma technology, which will increase throughput. Um, does this, you know, is this a fly in the ointment? Is, is this going to be, you know, victim of their own success? Well, scaling for any blockchain is the biggest challenge that we have out there right now. Uh, this software upgrade, again, is a step in that right direction. Uh, but the problem with all of these blockchains are they're so popular that nobody wants to go there anymore. And by, by that, I mean it's very difficult to scale. There are some solutions coming out. One of them coming out towards the end of the month, I believe, or actually towards the end of uh, February, is Cosmos. That's an internet of blockchains. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in that. Cosmos. That was a great soccer team in the late 70s. Haley, Georgia, Connecticut. Quick question, BK, if I may, yes. gentlemen. Sorry. Um, so what is your position now in Ethereum versus the others? Uh, Ethereum is one of my largest positions at this point in time. It's one of the, I think it's one of the top two in the fund at Did this point in time. Did it become the largest because of the run or because you added to it at the beginning of the year? When because the, I've added to it. Yeah, okay. because I've added to it. I mean, I'm an active trader, so I will trade around this. Uh, but for right now, it's one of my largest positions. Got it. Thanks for that, Beeks. All right. More so you ahead. know. The more you know. <laughs> Check out shares of Viacom and CBS both surging on reports the two companies could be getting back together. We'll bring you all the details. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Facebook shares are falling, but there's something in the charts that suggests now is the time to buy. We'll explain. Plus, a strange market anomaly could be signaling a buy sign for one beaten down sector. We'll tell you what that is when Fast Money returns. Wow. Welcome back to Fast Money, a developing story as CBS and Viacom could be reunited, according to a report from The Wrap. This has long been rumored on Wall Street. Oh. But wait, oh. maybe not. Reuters reporting moments ago that a deal could be off since the split at the end of 2005. Viacom is down 16%. Well, CBS has soared more than 392%. So will they or won't they? Or more importantly, should they? 
Tim. Nice use, by the way, of Peaches and Herb and T-Swizzle mm -hmm. all in the same segment. Amazing, um, right? I think they should get back together again. And it's been proven that I think you need to have some size in negotiation with, with the networks. I think it's, it's better to be there. I, I think the Peaches and Herb, I mean, it was, they were so 70s. Um, I also think that if you look at the valuation on Viacom, it's six and a half times trailing. Um, it's the cheapest asset play right there when content is now seemingly king again. You've been uh, in favor of Viacom, so do they need CBS? I don't think they need CBS. I think on valuation, you can own the stock on its own. But the CBS kicker should get this stock a lot closer to 40 than it is currently now. So I think the CBS makes sense for a lot of Re Reunited. Do I have to play the song? Plus, <laughs> yeah, you have to sing it. United. No. BK said I had to sing I just, I thought he did. That's what how he think? played the game. I, I say they get reunited. I actually think it's better for Viacom. Obviously, there's some benefits here to CBS, but Viacom's trying to change this company, right? They've been stagnant for a while here. So, to me, I'm a buyer of Viacom in this whole scenario. By the way, we call Herb Greenberg Peaches. I know, because yeah. of that. Because He's a fantastic yeah. reporter. Not the song, the He's group. a fantastic reporter, but right. because Peaches and right, Herb. Right, right, right. Viacom, they have to get back together. You saw the, performance. You saw the performance coming oh, wow. out of there. Okay. You saw how Viacom lagged. Viacom would be the buy. Either way, I think Viacom is a buy. Shifting gears here, General Motors revealing their next big idea in autonomous vehicles with no driver, no pedals, and no steering wheel. Is this the future? Sounds like it could be. Our Phil LeBuzz got all the details. Hi, Phil. Melissa, once we started reporting this this morning and we showed people the picture of this Chevy Bolt, this is one that's been modified and they hope to start manufacturing this next year. They still need government approval. People have said, well, why would they want to do this? Look, this is not for you and I to drive. It's for the ride-sharing company that General Motors plans to start testing next year. Who else is in this race for autonomous drive vehicles? Really, every major automaker. Most of them have paired up with ride-share companies or with other tech firms. And speaking of tech firms, I've gotten some questions today from people saying, well, what's Waymo doing? Aren't they building a car without a steering wheel? Well, yes, they have tested one. And they have a test program for autonomous drive vehicles for a ride-share program that starts in Phoenix this quarter. It's going to start with self-driving minivans. By the way, those minivans will have a steering wheel. They have yet to petition the federal government for manufacturing and using a vehicle without a steering wheel. As you take a look at shares of General Motors, remember, they give financial guidance next Tuesday morning at the Detroit Auto Show. We'll be there, Melissa, and I'm sure there will be a few questions for them about when they expect to turn a profit when it comes to autonomous drive vehicles. Are there stop buttons in that car? I mean, if something goes wrong and you got to, you know. There's an emergency button. Okay. There's an emergency For button. Each, is that like an eject button? Seat? I mean, is there like one in the front seat and the one in the back seat or? Uh, I'm sure I haven't looked in the back seat. I've only seen the video of the front seat. There's there's a very prominent one okay. there. Well, Look, I, they realize that you, you got to have a way for people if they truly need to stop that vehicle that they could. Yeah. And who makes steering wheels, Phil? <laughs> uh, a number of companies. I mean, yeah. there's a whole host of, of suppliers. I don't think that that's going to be uh, a, a huge, huge hit. Look, yeah. we're not looking at this taking off right away. It's, it's a test program at first. All right. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau in you Chicago. Grasso. I think if you, if you want adoption of autonomous drive, you need a steering wheel, even if Why? they don't want Because no one wants to get in a car. If, if, would you get in an autonomous yes. drive car yet? You would right I now. I have already. Yes, but did it have a steering wheel? No. Did you feel like this false sense of security? If you want to get adoption, the first layer has to as be with a steering wheel. As long as there's a stop button, I'm all right. She'd That's probably rather, get, she'd probably rather get into a steering wheel-less car than maybe one with you, Steve. It might, it might be. Right. It might be, but she'd definitely not get in the back seat with you. So now, if you, I don't know how I got there. That it was a stop button. Really it was bad. a stop button. But I think it's, it's, it's a positive for chip companies. Uh -huh. 
but it's a positive for GM to look at it as a tech company. Tesla's a tech, com tech company. You thought that they would lead, but now that GM is taking the forefront in autonomous, I don't care if it's ride sharing. You would hope it would get some of those multiple, but if so far it's it's not. I mean, not yet. It's not getting a Tesla but, well, by far. Yeah, I mean, it's not getting it because it's this is you're, we're talking it's a couple of years away before this becomes this something. This is a to, one well, year. Yeah, but for their bottom view. line. Right. I mean, I love what they're doing. The idea that they're starting a ride sharing. That's the future. Uh, but for their bottom line, I don't think that's that's not something that Wall Street over the next quarter is really going to worry about. Tesla doesn't make any money either. I, I think it's well, Tesla doesn't have to make money. They got Elon Musk. I'm just saying you can you can have an autonomous car out there. <laughs> Elon Musk there, goes to GM. It gets a Tesla uh, PE. Model Three deliveries were oh, light. Sorry, we want to go to David Faber while we have a little bit more time to get some more uh, news on Viacom and CBS. David. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, you know, listen, I mean, to the extent that I can help our viewers understand what's going on here, uh, unfortunately, I have to back up to sort of journalistic standards and, you know, the various things that we draw lines to as journalists in terms of what represents the story or not. But the fact is, as reported by the rap, I guess, initially, that Cherry Redstone has at least, um, according to people I'm certainly close to, made it clear that she would like to potentially pursue um, a transaction under which Viacom and CBS would get back together. But importantly... Um, nothing has actually been done in that effort other than perhaps the sense on the part of participants in it that, it that it might be something that takes place yet again or an effort is underway. And when I say nothing, I mean no bankers have been hired, no independent committee has been formed, no offer has been made or communicated at this point. Of course, it would come, as you guys know, from CBS to Viacom. But you would have noticed perhaps Viacom has moved up uh, you know, a decent amount of late, and certainly it is fair, I think, to speculate that this is something that could come together. And again, when I refer to standards, I guess I'm simply saying that there are those of us who actually wait for the actual talks to begin before reporting on something. And that certainly is not the case here, though it is perhaps her intent to try to bring that yeah. to fruition yet again. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that with our viewers. Does sound like a trial balloon. Uh, David, thank you for phoning, and we appreciate it. David Faber, have a good long weekend. I'm um, just about out of time. Time for the final trade. Tim. Oh, sorry. We don't have to do the final trade okay, yet. Okay, let's not do that. Yeah. Oh, what, what should we do? Well, Viacom and CBS, he basically <laughs> dismissed the reports, at least for now. Well, I, I, David's one of the most responsible journalists out Absolutely. there. His point is that this makes a lot of sense. Sherry Redstone can say what she wants, but it's not like there's necessarily a story there. Uh, the fact of the matter is Viacom, I think, got sold down too cheap because, one, uh, the, the content wasn't deemed to really be worth the value. They seem to be losing their, their, you know, their, their mojo with the kids, Comedy Central. But but it, it makes sense. And, and I think these these two entities, have, this is not the first time this has come up in the last couple months, even. Yeah, yeah I mean, but David is doing doing the respectful thing. He's doing the professional thing. But stocks trade around that before you have any substantive news so what do you do? here do you or there. Fade, so you, do you fade that? No, I still I, I still think that you're able to, to buy Viacom even up here? this much. I think you're able to buy Viacom where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, guy. I agree. I think Viacom is, continues to be the play, Mel. It's 100%. All right. That does it for us here on Fast. Um, we'll be off on Monday. See you Tuesday. Austin's Action's up right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.